Let us pray and then hear the word of God. Our gracious God and Father, upon the occasion of the public reading of Scripture and its preaching, O gracious God, we ask that you would come and be our help. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be like a good plowman among us, breaking up the fallow ground of our hearts, making that soil good and ready to receive that good seed, your own, your holy word. We pray that with meekness it would be implanted within us and that it would take root, that it would take root, Lord, today and spring up with a harvest of righteousness, 30, 60, 100-fold. Help our sons today hear your word and recognize the authority therein. Help them hear the voice of the master. Help Help our daughters today hear your word and recognize the voice of the master. Oh, gracious Lord, grant us all ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Acts 17, verse 10 through 15. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. This is God's word. Please be seated. In his commentary on the book of Acts, John Calvin, a leader in the Protestant Reformation of the 16th century, presents what I take to be a very fair question. Should we think of the Pope more highly than we think of the Apostle Paul? Why this question? Because in our text this morning, we see an investigation, an examination, an interrogation of the Apostle Paul's preaching. The Jews in Berea, to their credit, took Paul's preaching and compared it with what is written in the Scriptures. Should we not do the same thing with all that the Pope has spoken? Should we say that those who compare the Pope's teaching to Holy Scripture are less noble or more noble than those who won't? The answer, beloved, is before your eyes in verse 11. Is it not? 
It is not a haughty, nor is it a high-minded thing to let the scriptures be the final judge of men, even the final judge of such men who come to us with authority. It has been said by some who belong to the Roman Catholic Church and by some who belong to the Eastern Orthodox Church that to read deeply in the Church Fathers is to cease being Protestant. But we must boldly, yet meekly reply, to read deeply in the Scriptures is to cease being Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox. And when these same men from Rome or from the East ask us Protestants, where was your church 1,000 years ago or 1,500 years ago, we must ask them, where was your church in the age of the apostles? Because we do not recognize it. The scriptures, beloved, are supreme. For there is no other infallible authority in the church of God by which all other authorities are to be judged. And there are other authorities. But there is but one infallible authority, Holy Scripture. So whether those other authorities be our fathers in the faith or the collective practices of the church at any moment in time, none can be said to be the infallible voice of God except the scriptures. And this is not to keep you out of reading the fathers. This is not to keep you out of church history. Beloved, this is to help you rank that which you read and to so be in harmony with the apostles. Let us take special note of something in our text. It is not some austere, highly credentialed church council who is commended here for searching the scriptures. It is a small assembly of obscure local Jews. Berea, 45 miles west-southwest of Thessalonica, is an out-of-the-way town. That's the exact expression that Cicero used to describe it in his public writing against Piso. An out-of-the-way town. And by this, he meant technically a town well off the Ignatian Way, which was the primary road that Paul had been traveling this way. Berea was no, is no significant city. It is just like our Lord Jesus, the, the Savior of the cross, the Lord of humiliation, just like him, to do a great work in a place overlooked for its insignificance. So these Bereans are commended, congratulated. They are congratulated not because they are Jews, not because they live in Berea, They are commended for this because they submit their religious judgments, which is the literal meaning of the word examine. It's the same word Paul uses in his letter to the Corinthians when he says, I do not even judge myself. They submit, these Bereans, they submit their religious judgments to Holy Scripture. 
And by doing so, they give great honor to God. In one of his later letters, Paul wrote these words to some new believers. We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Who did Paul write those words to? He wrote those words to the Thessalonians. Letter 1, chapter 2, verse 13. Even the believers in wild Thessalonica, you know, they needed like 20 Wyatt Earps up in Thessalonica. That was a wild town. Go back and read last week's text. And, well, they show up in ours today, don't they? But even the believers who were not as many, apparently, as in Berea, but even the, the new believers in wild Thessalonica only received Paul's preaching as the word of God because it was confirmed by the scriptures. And we know this because in Acts 17, 2 and 3, it says Paul did the work. He did the heavy lifting for them of comparing his teaching to the scriptures. It says Paul reasoned from the scriptures, explained the scriptures, proved the scriptures, and some, verse 4, of the Jews in Thessalonica believed. But in Berea, the Bereans did most of the work themselves. And not just on Sabbath days. It says daily they examined the scriptures. What are you doing tomorrow? And there were even better results in Berea. It was not just some who believed, it says, verse 12, but many believed. Many of the Jews. The point is this. The believing church gathers a harvest of salvation from the Old Testament scriptures and from the teaching of the apostles, which is now written as the New Testament scriptures. Let us remember what Paul said to Timothy in Paul's final letter before he died. From childhood, Timothy, from childhood, you have been acquainted with the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Why does scripture have such a prominent place in bringing Christ to us and us to Christ? Because scripture is breathed out by God. It is the very voice of God. God stands apart and above all things. Therefore, his speech stands apart and above all things. Holy Scripture is the speech of God through a human medium. It is the only infallible authority in the church of God. Does the Apostle Paul resent those then who compare his teaching to Scripture? Do they get under his skin? Is he unnerved by these always examining everything he's saying, Bereans? 
Of course not. Paul himself was always careful to show that his teaching is in accord with Scripture. Again, 17, verse 2 and 3. In fact, we should agree with the 17th century theologian, Johann Bengel, who said, quote, a characteristic, a characteristic of the true religion is that it suffers itself to be examined into and its claims to be decided upon. Paul shows everywhere that he invites such an examination. Listen even to how he introduces himself to the Romans. Romans 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Paul is saying there and many other places, don't believe me because I am Paul. Believe me because I am setting before you that which God has infallibly set before you in the scriptures by men who lived hundreds of years before me. And then, of course, Paul's own writings become scripture. Peter calls them scripture in his second letter. Besides this, in Paul's letter to the Galatians, listen to how he demotes himself This is the opposite of promote. Listen to how Paul demotes himself in matters of divine revelation. In Galatians 1.8, he says, Even if we, he's including himself, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Paul has told the church in those words, to regard as damned anyone who would preach a different gospel to them. And Paul includes himself, even if we. In other words, if I come back around to Galatia and I start presenting to you a different gospel, recognize me as one who is damned under the curse of God and act accordingly. Don't go home to your wife and say, honey, I have new ideas I got from a damned man. That's the point Paul is making. Hands off, heart off, ears off. If you hear such a person, even an authority from heaven, a messenger of God, a seraphim. Paul includes himself. He knows he is not the source He is not the source. He is not the source of infallible divine revelation. The gospel is a higher authority than the apostle. The late F.F. Bruce put it so well. Quote, the gospel preached by Paul is not the true gospel because it is Paul who preaches it. It is the true gospel because the risen Christ gave it to Paul to preach. And Paul talks about that in Galatians 1. And so it is also with the scriptures. They are given by the risen Christ. They are given by the pre-incarnate Christ. They are God-breathed. And as Peter says, the scriptures are men 
speaking from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 2 Peter 1.21. Now there's another thing to give our attention to in our text today. Notice this. Notice that the noble Jews of Berea did not just study the scriptures. Verse 11 says, They received the word with all eagerness. To receive the word does not just mean to hear the word. It means to believe the word. It means you rest your soul on the word of salvation, which God has come proclaiming to you through his servants. That's happening right now, by the way. To receive the word means that you rest your soul that in Jesus, all sins are forgiven. In Jesus Christ, all condemnation is removed. In Jesus Christ, eternal life is freely granted to you. In Jesus Christ, power for holiness has been imparted to you. In Jesus Christ, divine love has descended to you and cannot be revoked. Scripture is a servant to all of this. The salvation of God is the master which Scripture serves. God giving himself is the end. Scripture is the infallible means to that end of God giving himself. So just having the scripture and studying the scripture and examining the scripture, that's not the end for which the scripture has been given. And what we are to see here in Berea is that because of their serious attention to scripture, salvation has come to many Bereans. Verse 12, many believed. Many believed. Many came to a true faith. They were not just doing academic work in the scriptures. They received Christ as Savior. You know, there's really wonderful, interesting, very stimulating Bible conferences all over this country and the UK and Scotland. One of the most well-attended one, one of the most well-attended ones, is called SBL. It starts five hours after a conference that I often go to called ETS. A lot of good work comes out of the SBL conference. Thousands of people attend it compared to a few thousand that attend the previous one. But 10, 12,000 people attend SBL. A lot of them deny the virgin birth of Christ but they study the scriptures and teach them all year round. Many of them deny the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ and the second coming of Christ, but they teach the Bible and write scholarly articles all year long. And beloved, listen, if that is in the academy, a filtered down version of that is in the church, where people handle the scriptures, talk about the scriptures, study things about the scriptures, but they have not come to true faith in Christ. It might be helpful at this point to set before you a definition of true faith in Christ. 
Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? Is anybody ready for it? Oh, good. I, don't, I wanted to make sure you're ready for it because this, this is golden. Question 21 of the Heidelberg Catechism says, what is true faith? What is this faith of verse 12? True faith is not only sure knowledge, whereby I hold for truth all that God has revealed to us in his word, but also firm confidence, which the Holy Spirit works in my heart by the gospel, that not only to others, but to me also, remission of sins, everlasting righteousness and salvation are freely given by God, merely of grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. Heidelberg 21. Not day 21, question 21. The purpose of Scripture is to bring you to and keep you in true faith, saving faith. The elect keep their privilege of perseverance by the Scripture's ministry to them. So don't just study the Scriptures. If you study only, you will only be a spectator. In spectator Christianity, people have a knowledge of Christ. They may even agree that Christ is the kind of Savior who could save sinners. But spectators refuse to come down from the stands and come into the field and trust Christ for their sins. They refuse to throw their full weight upon Jesus and be saved. They refuse to say and refuse to believe that man is crucified for me. That's spectator handling the scriptures. Take the well-known story about the man who was watching a tightrope walker cross over the Niagara Falls while pushing a wheelbarrow. After walking back and forth a few times on the cable, this performer asked the man who watched, do you believe a man can walk across these great falls, pushing a wheelbarrow? Yes, said the man. So he had knowledge. The performer then asked, do you believe that I am the man who can do it? And thus that I can do it again? Yes, sure, said the watching man again. Now that is assent, that is agreement. Then the performer asked the last question. Will you now get in the wheelbarrow and let me push you across? Beloved, that is trust. That closes with the man. Beloved, we must not merely use Scripture to study the Savior at a distance. We must get into the Savior. We must let him alone carry us from death into life. Receive him as your Savior from your sins. Trust him. Throw everything about you upon him. He will carry you over the falls of condemnation to the safety of eternal life. He's willing. He's able. That's what Paul is so excited about. 
That's why Paul, after he gets run out of Thessalonica, he looks at his watch, he says, well, let's do this again. And then he gets run out of Berea and he says, where can we do it again? He doesn't care about the harassment. He doesn't care what's becoming of his reputation. He tells us they will call him the scum of the earth, his phrase, because he is bringing the only message God has for sinful man that the Savior is willing to save and able. Now, one more thing to notice briefly in our text. Beloved, notice how absolutely agitated the devil is at the ministry of the word. Notice how absolutely restless the devil is at the ministry of the word. Our text says in verse 13, but when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea, also they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. The Thessalonican Jews travel their 45 miles to Berea because they learned that not had Paul gone to Berea, but that Paul was continuing to preach the word in Berea. Beloved, this agitating business, this stirring up business, this commotion and chaos, this is the work of Satan through his servants, through his offspring. Jesus looked right in the eyes of the Pharisees who would conduct him to death in their scheme and said, your father is the devil. You want to silence the word. Beloved, let me ask you, well, let me break this down. Husbands, let me ask you, do you find yourself always advancing reasons to keep your family from hearing the word of God? If you do, Satan is after you. He sees promise in you. Wives, do you always find yourself advancing reasons to keep your family from hearing the word of God? Sons, gifted sons, talented sons, praise God that you are. Boys, do you always find reasons to bring to your parents for justifying why you need to keep the family again from the word of God? Daughters, beautiful daughters, are you always finding reasons to stay away from the word of God? Do you know whose interest that is? It is not the interest of the Lord who is willing to give his best men to death to get the word out. It is the interest of a different Lord. It is the interest of a Lord who delights in the condemnation of sinners. He's known by another name, the accuser of the brethren. He wants to keep men and women under the condemnation their sins deserve. Beloved, do not work from his playbook. Remember your baptismal vows. You are to renounce the devil. You are to forsake the world. 
This is not a game. This is the advancement of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There is nothing you can do that will stop God's plan and purpose. Satan has lost. John 12, the ruler of this world has been cast out. He is just barking now. Do not be fooled by this dark Lord's offers. They are not offers of anything but death. Your name may be in the Lamb's Book of Life, but, beloved, do not have the grief of being an instrument that keeps others from being there. Praise be to God. Praise be to God that the true Lord, our Savior Jesus Christ, gives away his best men to get the word out. They will all die either by execution or exile in great humiliation, just like their head, just like the pioneer and author of their faith. And their death in that way is even a testimony to us of how great is the treasure that Christ has stored up in our own nature, being raised to the right hand of God. Be not afraid. Trifle no more. The word of God is coming. Help all you can hear it. It is the power of God unto salvation. Let us pray. Gracious God, help us, we pray. Believe these things. Help us, we pray, obey these things. Help us, we pray, believe and obey. Out of sight of the glory of our risen Savior at your right hand, full of mercy, full of kindness, full of power, full of majesty, that there is no way of avoiding his rule. Help us, we pray, see the severity and the mercy of this great Lord. And we pray, O Lord, that in this season of his patience, where the good news is declared even among wild men who want not to hear it themselves and keep others from hearing it, even though there are many who hate it and would silence it, he persists in patience. He persists in the blood of the martyrs. Lord, we, may we endure as he. And we do pray, we do pray, Lord, that if it is our honor to even suffer, for we speak so much of the scriptures, or use the scriptures to judge the authorities of men, or we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, even should we suffer for any or all of these, we pray, O oh Lord, that we would not regret it, that we indeed would see the joy of our Savior, who despised the shame of the cross and pressed into that glory. And bringing many sons to glory, he sat down. Lord, we pray that you would fill our hearts and minds with these truths and that we would not dwindle 
to a spark. Oh, Lord, fan the ember. Bring the flame. In Jesus' name, amen.